Cowabunga serial killers! We are back with another morning of Saturday Morning Confidential, and today I have the real movie critic with me, Hans Martin Jr. Hans, welcome to the show. What's up, Matt? How you doing, man? Not much, not much, not much, buddy. Uh, uh, so, Hans, why don't you tell the folks today what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about a classic since probably the first thing I loved growing up. And that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first animated series. Turtles in a half show. Uh, yes. I, yeah. Uh, so I have very fond memories of this, not because I watched it, because I was not allowed to watch this show, but because, <laughs> yeah, but because we'll get into that. It's the same reason I wasn't allowed to watch the like X-Men animated series as a kid either. Mm-hmm. Um and so, uh, yeah, it's, but I remember the toys. The toys were a huge yes. portion of my upbringing. They were yes. a huge portion of my childhood. And so, like, people would still be, like, giving me toys for Christmas and, and birthday. And so my mom would think it'd be rude if we, like, returned them just because I wasn't allowed to have them. So I had a ton <laughs> of the toys growing up. Yes, I used to have uh, a couple of the action figures myself. And I'll even say this. I, I remember for Halloween, I was probably mm-hmm. five years old. I was a Ninja Turtle for Halloween. It, it, it just shows how much I loved it. You know, I, I I'm trying it. to find that picture. I'm trying to find that picture. So yeah, show well, you. make sure, make sure you find it. I will put it on our social media. It'll be great. I mean, a lot of people that I know were like, I was a Ninja Turtle. Then I was a Power Ranger. They went one right <laughs> after the other. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so we're talking this original animated series today, which, you know, a lot of people, big Ninja Turtle fans, because, like, it blew up. Like, it culturally dominated, because it wasn't this weird... Ninja Turtles is this weird transition point from the cartoons of the 80s to the cartoons and live-action kids programming of the 90s that Fox would do. So, like, you know, I, I credit... The, the success of Power Rangers being able to like run and do to Ninja Turtles. The two have a lot in common. And, um, you know, because Ninja Turtles started in 87, it really had mm-hmm. its footing. It ran to 96, which I didn't realize it ran that long 10 seasons. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So this series is like pivotal for so many people. And I like to think it's a generation point too. So you've got the youngest of the gen xers you've got mm-hmm. the oldest of the millennials and you've got some of those middle middle gap millennials who all have the interaction with ninja turtles and so you have multiple generations of people who are hitting at different points uh in that kind of like age gap who are watching the show also because you arguably might also have some of the people who were reading the comics which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is very different than this kids TV show and Completely. part of like part of I would you know uh patent case have talked about it on another past case and I've talked about it on another another past so we've talked about it on another past of how there is this weird time 
where oh and i think case in the let's rewatch kids even talked about it uh of this really inappropriate things having children's tv cartoon tv shows so like mm-hmm. the trauma like the the toxic avenger uh and friends mm-hmm. series you've got um i mean uh We've got Masters of the Universe, which was, you know, a little yes. inappropriate in different directions. You had Conan, you had Beetlejuice, like you have so many Police Academy, even like the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> you had a lot of these who yes. Yes. their source material doesn't exactly match the tone of the children's. And so I like to consider this as one of those as well, because it's mm-hmm. a very dark, very gritty comic, which we should discuss at another time. We'll have to have Case on because Case loves Ninja Turtles uh, and talk about it just because it's this idea of adaptation. I think it's really great. But this, you know, they knew they were selling a toy line. That was nothing new. Uh, And if you look at these toys, they have a serious resemblance to the Masters of the Universe. They're all kind of muscly. They're Mm -hmm. all a similar sculpt. you know, different hands, different feet, different heads, but the bodies generally are similar with the exception of the turtles who have the shells. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they kind of knew what they were doing jumping into this. And it's evident in season one and season two, they pick some key toy points to push. Uh, that being uh, the, the, the foot clans base, uh, mm-hmm. the, which I specifically remember the toy of because it's that giant orb with the eye on top. You have the yeah, turtle the blimp, the technodrone. Thank you. You have the turtle blimp. You have the turtle, mm-hmm. the like cruiser van, uh, which I just have to say for four, uh, uh, you know, amph- uh, reptilian teenagers trying to blend in in New York City. A turtle-shaped van might not help, but again, it's New York City in the <laughs> '80s. Nobody's gonna pay attention to what's happening on the streets. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just funny in the episodes. The type of costumes they wear is just so funny. <laughs> so, Hans, let's jump in. What are your earliest memories of Ninja Turtles, and why did you bring Ninja Turtles to the show today? Well, as I said before, this is probably my first love, the first cartoon that I was a fan of. You know, since I can remember. And yes, I remember begging my mom for these toys. And, and the yeah. crazy thing about these toys is how they progress. Mm-hmm. They got like better and better. You know, they had like some kind of different, uh, I guess, I, I don't know how you call it, like a different thing gimmick. that the turtles have. They yeah, had a gimmick. gimmick. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, they had a gimmick. I don't know if you remember this, but they actually had this action figure of the turtles where you have to uh, pull a string in their back that actually makes them talk. Yes. <laughs> And I remember having one of those and it never worked. <laughs> it's just, it's just funny yeah. to me. I, I distinctly remember the gimmicks being the thing that sold a lot of them. Cause I remember there was the like turtles at the beach, the, you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the, the story of the ooze arc where you could get a turtle that transformed back into a turtle and then you could transport like the shell opened up and they became a normal turtle or themselves, but none of their legs and arms actually really fit inside of the shell. So <laughs> yeah. like, I remember the turtle toys being amazing, but the gimmicks not always working. Like I remember yeah. that being specifically a problem with the turtles toys. Yeah, no, for sure. The other thing that I do remember when it comes to the Ninja Turtles is the video games as well. I do remember the video games, you know, very wholeheartedly and how much fun they were. And I guess the last one that I played fully was Turtles in Time, which was definitely Mm -hmm. middle 90s. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is my favorite Ninja Turtles game. Uh, it was so much fun and it practically had everybody <laughs> that, that, that was part of the cartoons. And, and yeah, no, it was, um, it was definitely a, a fun time. That's for sure. And yeah, with the cartoons, yeah, the cartoons are, I, to me, was, is iconic to me. You mm-hmm. know, and you have these four different turtles. They're all different uh, uh, with their personalities and their approach to colors, even though that, that's something they also changed from the comics to the cartoon mm-hmm. is the colors, which I think that was a great move. And yeah, it's just, you know, the way they work together. Master Splinter is definitely a great teacher uh with with every episode how how philosophical he is how smart he is and how you know yeah he was great and that comparison to probably one of my the best villains out there shredder you know seeing those the two differences between splinter and shredder is is awesome you know the two different type of views the way they view things and everything it's it's awesome and yeah the turtles is definitely known for their uh, iconic villains as well and of course the movies too the early movies is definitely uh something i do remember even though when i look back at it especially the second one i'm like okay they're probably not that good but still it's something you know that was fun at the time yeah they're fun and i will say the first one i just rewatched. it so holds up it's so good but like when you got the hints and workshop working on them you're not going to go wrong. Like, it's great. I highly recommend everybody head over to another pass and listen to Case and the History Wizard, John Bradley Lestrange, talk about mm-hmm. uh, that first Ninja Turtles movie, which does yes. not need another pass because that shit holds up. It's so good. <laughs> but I agree with you. That second and the third one, when they're in feudal Japan, they're rough, but I love them. I love them so much. Um, yeah, so I'm going to uh, caveat you. Uh, I agree, Splinter's great, but I want to talk about Shredder, and I'm gonna keep coming back. Mm-hmm. He's the worst villain ever. He's all like he's terrible at his job. This poor man. <laughs> he's so much like so. I've been watching Mo- Modok on Hulu, and he's very similar to Modok. He just keeps messing up, and thank God that all of his Foot Clan man, like clone Goonies are all just maskless because are masked because like. They're awful. They cannot. They're like, I remember being terrified of him as a kid, but even now it was like his voice is, his voice is grating. He's not particularly good, but he's an idea man. He is not going to be told no. He does not like being told no. Uh, And I think it's more in season two. Shredder is a very different character than he is. And he's. Agreed. Now I will say something about season one. It is cuckoo pants. It is. (laughs) absolute insanity because there is like chinese mysticism there is i mean because it's all about the ninjutsu uh there you know it is chinese mysticism it's got it's got sci-fi it's got fantasy it's got some alien Mm -hmm. nonsense like it's it's a little bit of everything but they lean in they lean into the absolute absurdity of it which kind of is what i love and if anyone wants to go watch it feel free to pause right now you can actually go watch the entirety of season one on youtube it is five episodes uh mm-hmm. go watch it come back and and hear us chat about it uh but we're gonna jump in so hans I know you just went through a giant like rewatch of everything when you are revisiting season one again, because it's really short. It in itself, it's a mini series. 
that views mm. just like the movie. And I actually think it's why the movie is really successful is because they were able to look at the like five episodes of the show. They were able to look at like the first five or six issues of the comic and really tie in a very succinct story and figure it out because I also liked that ep- the first season watched as its own entity. And if for some reason it didn't get picked up or didn't get a continuation, it exists in it exists in finality of sure it can keep going, but they also wrapped up their like three storylines and that's all you needed mm-hmm. to do. And exactly. I, you know, even though I sat there going, what am I, what? I don't remember Ninja Turtles being this strange. Like, and that's <laughs> a lot strange. for kids shows of the eighties that, but I think they lean into the strange, which I think is great. So what were some of your thoughts upon rewatching for, was this your first time rewatching in in probably a decade or so? Uh, not the first season. Um, the, I remember rewatching it. Actually, you know what? It might be a decade now that you mentioned it. <laughs> but yeah, I, the thing that you know, and I have made notes while rewatching this this time around. And I, you explained the weirdness, and yeah, especially that first episode was really weird about some of the things they do. I mean, they talk about how bad crime is in the city. And next thing you know, you see a grandma pull out a machine gun out of the out of her cart, grocery cart. I was like, "What? This? What is that all about?" And, and all that, and yeah, and then you know, they go to that pizza restaurant where they like to throw knives around, like it's okay, <laughs> and they, that was just the first episode, you know. And then, uh, but they also gave a lot of development as well to mm-hmm. the characters, how Splinter raised them, you know, obviously. You know, when you talk about the ooze too, it's going to be strange regardless. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Ninja Turtles. It, it deals with a lot, you know, with Dimension X and all these other entities that could come in. And, and yeah, they set that tone right from the beginning because if you move on to like season three and four, yeah, it gets weirder and weirder when it comes to these different beings coming through. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah, but then as soon as the, the second episode comes along, when they start developing the Shredder, start developing that relationship with Krang as well, which is another weird villain in itself. It, 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 it really, uh, yeah, you, you expect the weirdness from every episode mm-hmm. and that's what made it great. You know, I mean, come on now. It's about turtles fighting ninjutsu. I mean, come on. It's, it's so tr- <laughs> well, and like they set up the precedents early that it's going to continue to get weirder and you just mm-hmm. need to jump on. Well, exactly. I, I mean, New York, for anyone who was in and around New York in the 80s, knows that it was a violent and rough place to be. And this is Mm. obviously New York. Now, this is something I love, uh, you know, because it's that kind of DC versus Marvel thing where Marvel exists in a version of our world where DC is in its it's in a different version of our world. You know, where or Mm. it's a, a different entirety where, you know, Marvel kind of exists in our world. This exists in New York. Now, I will say visually and the way they characterize New York between seasons one and season two, they get far more realistic in season two. It is a much more because they ref. So they're at the world trade tower 
twice between season one and season two, Tyrrell two, but they call it like the United Towers, the the like United yes. Nations Towers or something. And I was like, that's the World Trade Center, baby. And then the end of season two, they're legitimately at the World Trade Center again, and they call it World Trade Center. Um, yes. But in that season one, I have to say from the beginning, they also really lean into this hyper realized futuristic version of what we thought that of what the eighties thought itself to be. So the mm-hmm. like band sunglasses on Rocksteady and like the, well, yeah. who would become oh, Rocksteady yeah. and the like hyper fashion that we would saw, saw a lot of in Jim and the holograms as well. This mm-hmm. like heightened version of what, I mean, you know, that even goes to the grandma pulling out the machine gun. I mean, I know a lot of people's <laughs> grandmothers in New York who probably, walk around with a gun in her bag and i don't doubt that she does <laughs> um but they leaned into this kind of absurd also with that like ninjas run half of new york or something ninja pizza ninja something ninja something ninja yeah. and I, know, I know that was supposed to be part of like shredder's deal but i was also like that's a lot of thematic dining and thematic shopping experiences for the mm-hmm. 80s disney hadn't mm-hmm. bought times square yet <laughs> um for sure. but i gotta say through the absurdity, I love season one. Like, it is cuckoo pants. It's really, gr- like, the writing is not stellar, but it doesn't pretend to be stellar. Like, it is exactly what it's supposed to be, I think. But the comedy was awesome. Gold. Comic gold. Yes. Because they know they're writing for their age group and the babysitters. Like, that is who mm-hmm. they're writing for. Um and they lean into it like the pizza humor. There's like some mild body humor. That's funny. You know, they're mm. also like they're teenagers. Like we, we lose that kind of scale of it, but they are also just like four identical twin teenagers, if you will, that are just mm-hmm. boys who are just, you know, and any of our parents listeners out there, you're an educator, you know, boys get together in groups and they're monsters girls get together in groups and they're bigger monsters when they're teenagers but that's a different problem yeah but yeah, um, sure. yeah no boys boys in groups it's very funny um especially also when you look at the weapons they have uh <laughs> just like uh and you got mikey who mikey i always have just a little sweet spot uh, mellow heart for mikey because he's just him. the worst he's the worst he's the he's the <laughs> fuck up brother but like i love yeah. him <laughs> When it was, it's not the most current series, but the previous series that Nickelodeon ran of Turtles, which was really good. Greg Sykes, yeah. who's Beast Boy, is Mike, the voice of Mikey. And I was like, yeah, that's just so appropriate. Like, Greg, yeah, if Greg's, only, Greg's voice yeah. as Mikey just felt so right. Yeah. If only the animation was great on that, I think it would have been perfect. I agree. I think it was a weird transition time, but I thought the scripts were great. Like I had never, I had never watched it and then had to go sit through their panel at New York comic con to get to another panel uh, in the Mm. same room. And I went, we watched like an episode and I went, this is actually really good. Oh no. Am I going to have to go home and marathon this? Cause I think it was in the second or third season at that point. I was like, I'm gonna have to go home a marathon this show. Yeah, it was oh, surprisingly God. good, but mm. I was bl- I was thrown off by the animation. I was like, oh, mm. this is this is gonna suck. Yeah, but, but when you yeah. give it a chance, it's good. It's yeah. real good. Oh yeah, and it's that weird television 3D, like the new hyper 3D. <laughs> so like, yeah. it is what it is. But like this, the original also has the like charm of having that he-man style inexpensive flat 2d animation where the colors are a little flat nothing happens on more than kind of 
I like, I think it works great for the show. Um, Though it is funny in season two, you could tell they went with a different, like they brought in and used more studios for the coloring and things. Cause there's mm-hmm. a lot of color like, uh, Raph, Raphael's purple, right? Why am I? Oh, oh, that's Donnie. That's Donnie. Donnie. So Donatello ends up lavender to almost pink for like a good, the last yeah. half of season two. And I was that's, like, that's true. I noticed that too. <laughs> my housemate came down and was like, look at him in that startling lavender. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I hadn't noticed. Um, But okay, I'm going to point out something that I forget because I remember April O'Neil being this badass chick. Like April just being so badass. She doesn't actually do a lot in the show. She doesn't do too much. Yeah. You know, she she helps them, but she's a typical journalist. She was a typical journalist. And she's really bad at her job. And yet she's demanding like top stories. And I was like, listen, male chauvinism aside, mm-hmm. April, we need to have a performance review, honey. Also, because the way they treat Irma in season two, she uh, treats Irma terribly. Just, yeah. I was like, it's the pretty girl, ugly girl syndrome of a 1980 show with like four female characters. But I was like, April. April. Irma's. Irma's not that ugly, all right. She's not. She's yeah, not. But she's not. She's, she's not, obsessive, though. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's like when they called Annie Potts's character in Ghostbusters bookish. It's yeah. like Annie Potts is beautiful, and with mm-hmm. that short hair and the glasses, she looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, ever Irma mm-hmm. is the every girl in the show, but she's not ugly by any standpoint. But when they're uh-huh. when they're doing the like bookish girl versus the pretty girl. You know, yeah. they're making April that pretty girl. But I was like, April, you're pretty bad at your job. I know you're trying to get this lead, but like, write the stories that are in front of you while you're chasing the other lead. Because especially in that first season, she just stopped showing up for work for days. I know she's captured, but yeah. I was like, honey, we need to talk to HR because I would have fired you too. I would have also fired you. <laughs> and as a progress, she does get fired a couple of times and Vernon takes over, but then she always comes back and they always throw Vernon uh, back to the corner. It's just so funny <laughs> the way that that, it's, that always transitions. It's, it's one of those things that I was like, wow, I'm glad this isn't what kids picked out of this. Cause I was like, you have a whole generation of people that were like, no, I'm just not going to do it. No, but I'm going to have this job anyway. And then I went, Wait, we're already kind of like that. Never mind. <laughs> Her boss is an idiot anyway. So. And an and an ass. He's like a fat J.J. Yeah. Jameson wannabe. But like, <laughs> Pretty much. He's exactly what I expected. Well, because like everyone's very archetypal in ways. And so like he's that archetypal boss in a, in a media setting. And then like Vernon is the, the archetypal effeminate, snooty other guy. Yeah, and it's like, okay, like... Positive. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I was like, I get it. We're playing with the 19. Like those are the things that I know are going to be one dimensional in our cartoon. And I'm not particularly mad about mm-hmm. it. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're funny. Cause like somebody has to hate the turtles. I was like, nobody has a reason to hate the turtles, but somehow every few episodes, somebody's hating the turtles. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I hated that one episode where they bring in this blonde hating on the turtles for no apparent reason. And the boss, obviously, cause she's an attractive blonde listens to what she says. I was like, ah. Oh. 
really yeah i was like who is this bimbo where'd she come from <laughs> exactly get out of here because your brother put a turtle in your bed girl sit down get over it get over it girl what trauma are you hiding behind your brother putting a turtle in your bed who hurt you Seriously. Yeah, i was like leave the boys alone they're just out here trying to live their weird life in the sewers but I also love how many times they realistically get like flushed out of holding rooms in the sewer system. Like every yeah. once in a while, Shredder's like, I know how to get them. And he's like, I'm just going <laughs> to pop up in this hydrant and flood their house. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Here we are. You but live in the could swim. <laughs> they could swim. And thankfully, but I was like, it is the New York City subway system. Like, you know, this is going to happen at some point. It's the subway. It's yeah. the sewers. You're lucky there aren't worse things down there. Like, I love every time they talk about gators and things. And I was like, give it to us. Now, I watched the Punk Frog episode today that we're going to have to talk about later. Yes. (laughs) Because it is is an episode where all they do is rag on Florida. And I'm so here for it. As as an unwilling Floridian, I... Oh God, I was so happy with that episode. Cause it's also like the one time Shredder's like, I don't need my armor. I'm going to Florida. And, <laughs> and he shows up in like a linen shirt and pants yeah. looking like he's somebody's Cuban uncle. <laughs> I was like, I'm not mad at it with all the Japanese tourists we have here. Not mad yeah. at it. Like not. He goes to Florida, but like the worst part of Florida too. That's the funniest part. You know, the swampy area. It's- Hans, Hans, it's all the worst part of Florida. Florida is the worst part of Florida. <laughs> hey, Especially don't forget, I live in Florida too. So. I know, but you can admit that all parts of Florida are the worst parts of Florida. Well, it's, Miami it's, has a soft spot for me, so. Well, I do love Miami. I do. You know, it is great. You could still get eaten by a gator. That, that's very true. And, or and- or they- someone on Crocodile. In later seasons, a gator does come from Florida, a gator villain, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll not talk about that. We'll we'll talk about that when we tackle those later seasons. Just for everyone who's confused about why we're doing the first two, Hans brought up a really good idea that like seasons three and four are almost 30 episodes each, while the later seasons are only eight to 10 episodes. So we're going to do probably two more episodes where we talk Ninja Turtles and we'll talk the eventual evolution of the franchise because it does continue to change and turn and i mean we all have to acknowledge there's a huge difference between 1987 and 1996 i mean if we're thinking about it the turtles went through three presidential uh administrations like you know they started in reagan went through bush and went into to clinton like the world itself just changed so much. Also, it doesn't include the 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 season that was made specifically for UK television. There's a side mm-hmm. season that was just made for the UK. There mm-hmm. is a crossover with a 70s mech series for Japan. Like, also, mm-hmm. you know, near the end of it, we're getting the live action Ninja Turtles series for Fox Kids, where they meet up with Power Rangers from Power Rangers in Space. The Ninja Turtles have done everything most recently. They just had a movie with Batman. Like, the Turtles are living their eternal <laughs> yeah. best lives. Like, they're just, they're doing. So, Hans, yeah. what are some other things that just stood out for you with season one as you rewatched? Um, the one thing that surprised me was their motive in season mm, one, where mm-hmm. they're trying to find a way to bring Splinter back to human. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, that, and that was practically almost a whole, um, 
whole episode until the last episode, season five. Yeah. Where, where there was a chance. Mm-hmm. But Splinter had to make a big sacrifice for that, you know, and, and it just shows more about Splinter's character of who he really is and how much love he has for these turtles that he doesn't, he, 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 he desires to be human. And we'll talk about more that in season two. There's mm-hmm. an episode about that as well, but he cares about uh, the better, you know, for the betterment of the world, first and foremost, and himself. And that, that's, what's great about Splinter. He, he, he's, He's, a, he's just an awesome guy. It's a guy that you should listen to every episode mm-hmm. because he brings the greatest advice out there. And he gets really great one-liners at the end of every episode. Like he just gets <laughs> to sit in his chair and have a really funny one-liner. I love that. Um, but yeah, no, he is actually like, if we're putting together like a, a BuzzFeed top 10 mentors of like our favorite teams, Splinter's got to be number one or number two for me. Um, yeah. Because he's one of the only ones, too, that I feel are not purposely throwing the turtles like lamb to the slaughter. Because, like, even mm-hmm. another one of my favorites that I'll always go back to is Zordon from Power Rangers. Zordon's, I think, a really fun mentor. <laughs> but not the Brian Cranston Zordon. He was an asshole, which I loved. That. That's a different That's a different reason to love Zordon. Yeah, a whole, a whole different. Um, yeah. But, but uh, like, Zordon was still kind of throwing these teenagers to this eternal space witch. So, like... I don't know, whatever. But like Splinter still at the end of the day would like slip away and try to handle Shredder himself or handle a situation mm-hmm. himself. Um, yeah. It's personal. Yeah, it's personal. And also he's like seeing this as ramifications of his own actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like you said, we they get it's like less than 90 seconds. We get his entire backstory and I have no questions about it. Mm-hmm. And then as we move forward, it's one of the things that I agree with you. They did really nicely of setting up where we are. Um, Cause again, it's five 21 minute episodes. You don't have a ton of time. It's just over a hundred minutes. Um, and so they really wow. did a nice job of giving us those things right away, but also splinter caring about the boys. He always wants them to train, but not an oppressive way, but like he just wants them to be their best and like continue to improve themselves um, through life lessons, as well as, you know, physicality. Now the physical stuff for the turtles, I have questions once we get into season two, because we watch them pick up a van in season two. And I go, I didn't realize they were this strong. I didn't realize they were superhuman strength as well. Uh, which, you know, that will always happen in a show like this where powers continue to develop or they like throw mm-hmm. other nonsensical things. But I do. I think also, cause, and I also think the boys, they could be really unlikable and they're very like derpy, but like, I think they did a really nice job of making them really likable, but still showing minor flaws that kids would be able to associate with and start and start figuring out that idea that like as children we start figuring out that idea of like tragic flaws or like personal personal flaws those kinds of things and so i think those are they did a really nice job of like tackling those things in small ways Mm -hmm. so that you could Mm -hmm. digest it bigger on the whole which wasn't something that was happening in like gi joe and thundercats and those other shows of the time very true very true yeah, no, as I said before, each turtle has a different personality mm-hmm. uh, with that. You know, growing up, I was always a, the leader, Leonardo fan, you mm-hmm. know, the leader, you know, me being the oldest of, of you know, two brothers. You know, I always felt that way that, I, you know, I was kind of like the leader by default. Yeah. 
you know and you know uh with leo his character he sometimes he has to second guess himself sometimes too um mm -hmm. on his leadership whether he's doing the right way you know he's always the first one that goes to master splinter to get advice mm -hmm. and, and things and, and all the things he has to learn it's great character development right there and uh and donnie <laughs> as the season progressed this guy gets smarter and smarter <laughs> Uh, uh, with every episode, and man, that guy could do anything, man. <laughs> with 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 just a little bit of garbage, he can put together anything. It's like he's arguably like if he was able to have the same resources as Splinter and Krang, I mm -hmm. or Shredder and Krang. I just wonder. I'm like, this would have all ended, yeah. like in season one. It would have all been, you know, it would have been handled. Yeah. Now, the one thing, you know, as when we compare the comics with the um, with the, the cartoons and even with future episodes, Raphael, he was normally the rebel guy, uh, uh -huh. but he wasn't uh, in mm -hmm. the series. He's more of the, like, the jokester, the wisecracker, mm -hmm. you know, which I, I really I really think they should have kept with that persona of him being mm -hmm. that rebel, because mm -hmm. I think it would have added more depth to the characters of the turtles in that cartoon for sure. I agree. I think it also would have been like classic middle kid. Cause like, even though the mm -hmm. brothers, they're all born at the same time. Well, they're not, they all become a humanoid at the same time, but I guess they don't necessarily, mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily born. I was like, also who's just walking around New York with turtle baby turtles. Who's just walking around New York with baby turtles, but okay. Um, uh, but yeah, he's very much got middle child syndrome and, you know, cause you've mm -hmm. got Mikey, who's the youngest and, and you've got, you know, Leo's the oldest. And so like, you know, it's, you've got, it's one of those things that it's, I, I agree with you that I would have loved to see them cause they, he leans into that in the movie. They really explore him being like the gruff one in the movie, which I yeah. appreciated because mm -hmm. it's him working through things. Um, Cause even in the theme song, I always think about it every time. Also, it's one of those theme songs. If you skip it, who hurt you? It's a bop. Um, but <laughs> like they describe him as rude. And I was yeah. like, that's very open-ended because rude yeah. is in theory, bad thing, but also it's like, he's the jokester. He's rude. He's the Bart exactly. Simpson, but he also isn't really like, we don't see that of, out of him at any point. No, it's, oh. you know, that does change a little bit in going through later, but like, it's the one character where they were like, oh, he's, oh, uh, we'll figure it out later. Well, we'll, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll lean to this later. And I just don't think they do, which but, is, but he does, but he does bring the funny jokes, which makes you he laugh. does bring the jokes <laughs> and you do need the jokester. You do, you do need yeah. the jokester, which I think they kind of lean in, in, in later shows, give it to Mikey, um, mm -hmm. as the biggest yes. boy, but yeah, I I will agree with you that I think he's the one turtle that gets kind of lost in the sauce, if you will. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And but I I really love season one. I I I love April's iconic yellow jumpsuit. I there is something about women in comics and TV shows that I love that have the yellow. It's like April in the jumpsuit and Jubilee in the yellow coat. I just love. They're mm. my favorites. Um, but yeah, I no, I will say. I remember watching some Ninja Turtles. I watched a bunch of it in syndication. Literally not a single episode sticks out to me, except one season two episode, which we can talk about, which is uh, uh, the fly when we would meet the fly. Um, <laughs> yes. But yes. yeah, like uh, Ninja Turtles is one of those where like, I feel 
like I was shocked in season two how many plot specific episodes there were. But sure. also yes. when you've only got 13 episodes, every episode's gonna be a plot specific episode, even if it's just a little bit of a plot. Even if it's just Shredder trying to be like, no, I promise I can destroy the turtles. Um also I forget that he doesn't need that suit, but he just wants to be fancy and dramatic. Like yes. he's he's this like stone cold handsome man underneath, and he's like, I'm going to <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna hide away. And I was like, This yeah. isn't even this isn't like Sub Zero who like needs it, or like, you know, another version Skeletor who like happens to be a skeleton on a muscle man, but like he just happens to to cover his face and head, which I don't understand. Yeah, he only reveals his face in two episodes uh, so far uh, that I've seen. And yeah, he, he, you're right. <laughs> but now, now we're talking about the Shredder. Can we just give a big shout out to James Avery who voices him? Oh yeah, he yeah, he I mean, <laughs> he is having the most fun. Exactly. The sun, because the voice that he's using is really a voice that would have been allocated to a side character, like mm-hmm. to a Starscream to i mean he's somewhere between like he's caught somewhere between the claw from inspector gadget and and like starscream and in transformers he is somewhere squarely in the middle um but like he keeps going like he literally i love how he says the turtles 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 (laughs) ice turtles it's so ridiculous i just I don't like he as an adult I I feel a connection with Shredder cuz he just wants so much and is just messing up everything and just is not good at a lot of things but he's trying his level best and wait till I, season 3 wait till I, season 3 I'm I not gonna re- say much more but wait I so I think looking through this descriptions of seasons 3 4 and 5 I remember a lot of those episodes. Yes. So I'm thinking because that would have been 1990. So the 91, so the 92. So that was, that would have been like when that new generation of kids was coming up. So I was in Mm -hmm. school. Um, Those episodes I do remember. And so Mm -hmm. like, it's really interesting because on wiki, they bill like the first four seasons as a comedy and then seasons four through 10 as a drama. And I was like, that's interesting for kids thing, but I do. You also have to go with understanding the tone of your audience and understanding the tone of your genre, because not typically do we get kids animated shows that last for this long. Like now we do, but then we didn't like, you know, transform, you know, they, really one not only bridge the gap but they lasted the the true gamut because this is a point where mm-hmm. this is when we've got shows that are on for one and a half seasons that's it you've got rotating shows from 89 through 2001 you just have shows that are rotating and rotating and rotating and rotating um because i mean we're also getting like the animated godzillas of the world and like they're just trying <laughs> to make a kid's show out of everything but then we're also having you know, th- I think it's interesting that Ninja Turtles bows out about the time that we start getting the we start getting the dub revolution of Deacon Four Kids for anime coming over because you mm-hmm. know we start getting the first seasons of Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z near the end yep. of Ninja Turtles. Yep. Um, 
which again, I think we can only attest to those popularities of those things with um, turtles. I, because you and I have now done, I think, two one shots together. One, maybe one one shot for Nerf Herder, which I'm, I'm still hoping case releases at some point. Speaking yes, of so speaking of samurais, um, <laughs> uh, but I. Every time I go to a used bookstore or an estate sale or a flea market, there's one thing I look for, which is the Ninja Turtle r- tabletop role-playing game books. Mm. I always look for them. Also, because there is... Now, I know we're not trying to talk about the later series, but there is the, like, Kung Fu Rabbit. Does he come in oh. later in the series? Season three. Because he's, I know he's all over the comics, and he was a huge thing. And I remember yeah. toys of him. Yeah, we were talking about Rock setting Bebop. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're the Balkan Skull. They're always the two. Mm. Um, but their design is so much fun. That's something Very punkish. Very punkish. The show is designed so, and with so much fun from top to bottom. It looks great. Like, it's not the best quality, but I, you could tell they really thought some of these things through. And season one is way more fun in that way than season two was. Like all yeah. the background characters are really, really fun looking. Like they are really, they go into that like crazy space punk kind of thing. And it's yeah. Yeah. so great. It is so much fun. Very and, 80s. Very 80s. Oh, so 80. It is, you could put it anywhere in the 1980s. And it looks like, because even watching the movie, they pull a lot of it in. And it, like, they'd done so much of their design work had been done for them. Uh, which I really, you know, it was interesting though in the movie going with younger kids being the like pack of things that's neither here nor there. But I did love that like Shredder had the Foot Clan, but also this like roving band of like punk dudes that like did his bidding. Like mm-hmm. I will, I don't think I'll ever fully understand the Foot Clan in New York and like there's there's space in America. I don't get it. I don't need to though. Like I don't, cause then they suddenly just disappear in season two and nobody cares about the foot clan. Uh, it's true. Yeah. They've been going off and on. That's for sure. Well, there was a reason it's season well, two. Well, yes. Remember. In season two, because <laughs> you know, they're all in dimension X. Um, yes. And so Kang, I think Kang, I think we have to talk about Kang a little bit too. Cause Kang's like, I just want a body. Oh, yeah, Krang, Krang, yes. Krang, Krang. Yeah. Yes. Kang is from Marvel, which we're getting soon. <laughs> Krang. But he's just like, I need my body to do my evil bidding. Yeah. And it's literally just like him and Splinter going, or him and Shredder going back and forth between the two of them of yeah. who has the power in the situation. Exactly. And that starts developing more and more. This is just a start. And, and yeah. that episode, there was that episode where Krang actually helps the turtles to make Shredder fail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it just shows how much these two villains hate each other, but they mm-hmm. need each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting. And Crank, Crank's annoying too, man. Especially Jesus. season one. Mm-hmm. In, in season one, he had that growl kind of that. Go, I'm like, please stop. And they did. <laughs> and, and things. And then once he finally got that body, you know, that's when I start remembering Turtles. Mm-hmm. You know, once he started getting yeah. that robot body, for sure. But Krang, yeah, you know, because he has power in Dimension X and other things, but he doesn't in Earth. Yeah. You know? And, and, and it's so, why he got sent here. Like, it's that yeah. age old thing. We're going to send you to Earth because you can't do too much damage here if you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also funny that he's this like brain chewing gum like meat wad <laughs> thing like i just yeah. it's so again it's just so bad shit that i just went 
I, you know what I'm here <laughs> for it though. I'm leaning into it. I love it. I also love when he gets his suit, the like himbo suit that he's in and like mm-hmm. the shoulders are like whip stitched together. So the turtles can literally slip through it, which just made <laughs> me cackle. Just absolutely yeah. made me cackle. Uh, yeah it's so it's so wild like the, there are those things where i go it's so wild but like i'm just not gonna ask questions because like here we are it's just the way it is and it's totally fine yeah for sure uh, yeah and, and yeah like i said that that little rivalry develops more in later seasons or later episodes i should say mm-hmm. but there's also another thing too they they started with baxter stockman as well uh Mr. stockman who is yeah a wild character mm-hmm. especially because the beginning of season two he's okay also as someone who has spent a few evenings in an institute for people who are having some neurodivergent issues mm-hmm. i've never been put in a padded room that i got a padded lazy boy with a cellmate who thought he was <laughs> napoleon i forgot I, about that. yes <laughs> That cracked me up, and also that like Shredder, like they're just bars, and Shredder can just come go breaking you out. Because uh, Stockman also is a different body type to everybody else on the show. It's like mm-hmm. they made an adult mm-hmm. with a kid's body type. It's very strange, and it makes sense that he spoiler becomes the third mutant that we meet in sees mm-hmm. uh, you know in the show, and yeah. also but that he's a fly. It's oddly appropriate for him. Yeah, they love animals in this series. <laughs> they well, always try to get a muted It's animal. also so much fun because also, yeah. what do kids love? Animals. What do kids, you know, exactly. let's do it. You know, it's why Beast Wars worked so well. It's like Transformers exactly. and their animals. Yes! Uh, but, but I thought it was interesting that he just is blissfully okay being Shredder's lackey. Like, that's so strange. Yeah, at least at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still in season one. We're, we're like lingering to season two. But at the beginning, he's a smart guy, though. Yeah. It's just nobody believes in his visions. You know, with mm-hmm. the mousers, that's how they introduced him with those mouser things, which really became iconic later, even though they never brought it back. Yeah. It's, that's interesting to me. And, and yeah, the Shredder comes in. And I guess at the beginning, he like respected Shredder because I guess Shredder was the only one that believed in him. And, mm-hmm. things. and as you know, as that develops into season two, yeah, Shredder kind of like, you know, <laughs> like you're my service, so shut up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's pretty much how, how it is uh, uh, with things. And, uh, you know, just to keep it still at season one, yeah, I thought that was an interesting character they brought up as well. And the other thing that did debut uh, was episode four with the neutrinos as well, which mm-hmm. actually does make an impact in later seasons. I love the neutrinos so much. I love a little pixie design there with the flying cars. I mm-hmm. love. <laughs> I love. It's very club uh, or um. Lyoko in design. I really I love them. And so when they came back in season two, I was like, "Yes, work neutrinos. Yes, yes welcome yes. back." Yeah, and it, they really season two is an interesting place because they're really cementing and uh, building up the uh, kind of roll call of the turtles mm-hmm. friends of people that they're yeah. going to be able to call on. And I mm-hmm. think they're a fun one. And they also build up that cute little maybe relationship between the one girl and, oh. and Mikey, which I think is silly, but cute. And it's way well, better than when they have them fixated on April and like, 
Yeah, and Irma had a little thing with the turtles too. <laughs> well, she's just obsessed, but she also, yes. <laughs> you know what? You're going to be obsessed too if somebody's gaslighting you the whole time. Be like, Irma, you're just being crazy. There's no turtles. Don't be weird, girl. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, you're going to, the whole time, you're going to freak out too. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I love the neutrinos. Their designs are primo. Again, they're really leaning mm -hmm. into that idea of like, space cadetti super sci-fi mm -hmm. fantasy of the 80s and i just think it is so good um yeah. no i don't remember us getting toys of them because i now want to go buy toys of the neutrinos but i don't oh, think I don't we ever, i'm gonna look it up so after we get off this and so nobody yell at me i'm gonna go look it up because there is someone i found has a full website it's from like GeoCities from like 20 years mm -hmm. ago they haven't been up keeping it but they have a my little pony a transformers and a ninja turtles website where they have like pictures of every single toy that was released so i'm gonna go through oh, okay. and if we have neutrinos figures i'm gonna hunt them down and buy them because they are adorable <laughs> I would love that little flying lowrider, that's for sure. So cool. So way yeah. cooler than any of the turtle stuff, but like also <laughs> okay, before we move on, I want to talk about the turtle blimp for a second. Because again, right. if we're being incognito, that is the opposite of incognito. It is the <laughs> absolute even in New York. It is the epitome of we're we're going to be seen by everyone because they're doing like recon in early season two and they're just like zipping over Midtown in 1987, uh, mm. 1988 in that blimp. And I was like, but also you made a blimp with like a, a like hang glider on it. What? <laughs> You're so smart. What's wrong with you? at least make four different seats for the different boys so they're all not all hanging on to one but <laughs> that's again, the funniest part <laughs> because they're just like ah but it's also just the fact that like it's so big you can see them from every literally everywhere <laughs> I, I like it that almost every episode they bring it out the blimp always gets blown up I was like, okay, then they keep bringing it back. I'm like, okay, y'all know that doesn't work. Y'all need to go back to the drawing board and get something better, uh, especially yes. if you want to fly. <laughs> I, ag I agree so much with that. I yes. I just agree. It's so much. But it's, again, it's so much fun. I'm probably going to watch it again here uh, in a day or two just because it was so much fun. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, compare it to the movie as well. Uh, but also, as I read through the comics, I might rewatch that first season. Um but yeah, it's so much fun. The characters are great. The designs are great. They really do do a good job of setting up the story, which I think is really smart. Yeah. Now, they leave us at the end of that season one where the villain gets pulled into Dimension X. It's mm -hmm. good. They literally could have ended the show there if it didn't get picked up, but it did. So Hans, where do we find ourselves at the beginning of season two? Uh, well, it starts off with the episode um, Return of the Shredder. Mm-hmm. And pretty much what Crane does to Shredder, he sends him back to to Earth and says, all right, you deal with it, but I'm not going to help you, which it, it just shows how Crane really is sometimes. Yes. And, and so, the, so that kind of starts off this whole storyline pretty much for the whole season, almost, uh, of Shredder trying to prove himself to, to Crane. Mm -hmm. And of mm -hmm. course, he keeps failing. And eventually, Crane decides to let Roxanne and Bebop in like that's going to be any better. But he doesn't let the foot shoulders. That was his main thing. You're not getting the foot shoulders. <laughs> I'm so confused by the our evil friends in season two. Because 
Krang will have no idea what's happening and then suddenly go, but the, no idea, but then go, but the spell must be uttered perfectly or you will ruin everything. And I was like, how'd you know about the spell though? How yeah. would you know about the spell? I want to talk about that episode in particular, uh, because I will say that if there is any library in the world that would have a section with a literal dimension warping spell in it, it would be the New York city public library. Guarantee it. Yep. Guarantee sure. it. <laughs> but I love that. For they're sure. just like hanging out in the hoodies with the metal helmet under the hoodie doing research in the public library for like occult things of they said they said colonial people from the 1920s and i went <laughs> okay let's break this down i know we had a huge influx of immigrants in the 1920s but like colonials in 1920s yeah. that's yeah. 150 years apart my babies like where wh what story are we telling here but again I missed that. <laughs> Season two is so bonkers that it just kind of fit right in. Uh, yeah. So season two, what are some things for you that stood out that you loved that they did that just you thought really stood out and you just uh, really enjoyed? Well, there is a storyline, especially at the beginning, but I'm, I'm going to get back to that. But there is one episode that always stuck with me since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was just a side episode too because they hadn't brought this back and that is the case of the killer pizzas and that's mm -hmm. when they bring yes. out the aliens and stuff uh -huh. that episode I always remember since I was a kid uh, where Shredder actually had eggs of aliens and if you just heat it up they actually get stronger and stronger especially with, if you add water to them they get even str even more stronger which they look like the xenomorphs from um, they the do mm -hmm. so that was a and little on the nose for me and it's very Attack of the Killer Tomatoes which also had its own animated series yeah that one was so much fun also because that mm -hmm. idea of like flipping the the boy's favorite thing because that is the thing through the whole series like they eat other food but they still want the pizza as a vessel for the other food like yeah, i don't they put a lot of crap on the pizza too so i guess they do like they're yelling at each other about what cereal they're going to get to eat on their pizza like whatever it is a thing <laughs> I like yeah. to think that the intake of pizza by the general American family skyrocketed thanks to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, hands down. I think Domino's had had the turtles for a while, too. They, oh, they probably. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And so season two, I think, does a really nice job of expanding their storylines and start thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say globally, but galactically in a way that yes. like. They're yes. realizing that, you know, you, maybe we're going to have another series after this. We're going to be able to tell more stories. So what do we want to focus on? And I think it was really smart to start focusing on. They started playing with the idea of aliens early on, which, you know, Krang mm -hmm. is also an alien, but he's an interdimensional alien. But this idea of like alien crystals that do different things, because mm -hmm. we do get a couple different arcs. Now, we did figure out yeah. early on that the crystal, they just decided that the crystal was not probably going to be the greatest thing. Finding the crystals, it's a little infinity, you know, it's a little Thanosy, if you will. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, it was one of those things that we did meet an alien race that's very nondescript looking, but like, it's how they have to start interacting. I like it's it, the turtles interacting with the world that they're forbidden to be a part of is for mm -hmm. me a theme of season two that's really interesting. And to me, ultimately culminates in the episode where, um, they developed the spray that could let Splinter be human again. But again, yes. we ultimately find out that it 
is only temporary, and so Splinter has to spend time in the world, but also start mutating back, and so it's an episode about other, it's an episode about longing, and like being separate from something, and I actually beautiful, really solid really beautiful, solid episode, and I also think it actually is interesting being told from the perspective from this perspective of an Asian character I think it's it's a really nice episode Um, but again, they play with that idea, also that the boys are so in tune with uh, with Splinter that they notice when he's just been so down and they're willing to do anything, but then they also deal with it like teenagers, which is they get really upset that maybe he's never coming back and it's like, oh, you have to justify with this thing that you did something good for someone else that might actually have negative ramifications for you. But it is really interesting, especially thinking about the idea of like a six to 12 year old watching the show. And I think fleshing out those plots and figuring out the story they were telling uh was actually for me a really fun part of season two now i'll bring it up again april o'neill's a bitch she is awful through most of season two she like doesn't go to work but also the turtles like only call april when they need a favor like it's a really not great relationship they have and you've got irma's that's just like i'll take care of the turtles Uh, Irma's a fun little character too and I know she becomes a much larger character later on until they phase her out after season 8 when the the news building blows up but um I, yeah, oh, that's way over way, there uh, season 8 <laughs> yeah. we got you got 100 episodes before we get there yeah. um yeah I think those are some things that you could see that they were trying to focus on and figure out how to tell a larger story but also realize that they didn't need to solve every every string that they were laying down not every mm-hmm. string had to be wrapped up at the end of the season which i also That's appreciated true. um now something they did in season two which also happened in season one and season one i attested it to five episodes that the end of the season gets wrapped up really quickly like they like they're working really hard to like save mm-hmm. the day but then like we don't think it's going to happen. And then boom, bam happens in literally two and a half minutes. And then everybody's joking about what's happening in the future. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's <laughs> fine. I get it, I guess. But like, give us a little more. Like now we know that last episode would have been a two parter. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think that was just some things, but that's just my kind of, uh, I can't speak tonight. Just kind of that, uh, glossary look at like the beginning so what were some things for you that do you think what other things that just kind of worked for you in well, season two as you talked about with the whole alien and the fragments that they were collecting the payoff episode where they they got all the fragments together and Sh- shredder was the one that got got it yeah and put it on his helmet and that power and then you see with baxter too being power hungry as well he ended up with the helmet as well and you see how evil he could get how crazy he could get yep. as well and things and it was just a back and forth thing until finally the turtles you know finally pulled it off you know in the end that i think that was a fun episode too uh and of course very fun yeah one of the few episodes where you see uh, shredder without his mask yeah 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 and i think that first because again that they do it in like five or six episodes that that kind of alien crystal arc it's not mm-hmm. too long of the 13. And then we get like another five, six episodes of the seven, I think of the, the end of that series where it's them trying to come through the portal, like that portal getting reopened and reopened yeah. and reopened. Um, yeah. And I think again, 
telling things in those two parts. They got to experiment on some larger scale without having to commit to a larger scale story. Again, also because they could have gotten pulled at any moment. So, you know, we very well could have wrapped up the show again, uh, you know, with, with those ideas, but I'm glad we didn't have to. Um, second part of the series, I think is really fun because we start getting mutants. We get more mutants Mm -hmm. and they start playing with the idea of the mutagen. How much is it? Mm -hmm. Can it be recreated? Can it be reversed? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think getting, uh, the fly and then getting the punk frogs, I think are fantastic additions. Um, and then also we get Rex, the, the like guard robot, which I, I yes. have, yes. I have huge memories of him. So that watching that episode and it also gave April, she, she really was the center focus of that episode, which I appreciated. Yes, that's very true. Um, and so it was them starting to explore giving April more to do. So I think the second half mm-hmm. of the season has a lot of fun. Um, because again, they went great at the end of season two. It means they're getting ready to go into another season of toy releases. So let's give, mm-hmm. we've got the, the frogs, you've got the fly, you've got Rex, you've got some other, you got, uh, Krang in his full body. You know, they were just giving us another round of toys that really were good for them to be able to sell. And it was very smart. Um, cause you know, the mutants I know in later seasons were very much like masters of the universe characters where they were just putting out so many because they needed to, but they ended up on shelves after a long time. Um, and so, but I, I love the mutants. I love the mutant gen, but I also love X-Men as an adult. So like mm. anything with kind of mutants and mutation and whatever, uh, would be, you know, cause we even get April, gets mutated into a cat for an episode yes. because of the yes. they're using because of the transporter. And I think all of these things I like that we're seeing a cause and effect from everything that happens. So like everything Shredder tries to do, there is a good or bad cause and effect. And they're really yep. Nothing happens in the show that we don't see some sort of ramifications happen for. And just in a real mm-hmm. world thing, I do really appreciate that. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh... You know, you know, like I said, yeah, there's different things, but back to the frogs. And the you can frogs. see frogs. Yes. You can see Shredder how good how good of a trainer he is too, mm-hmm. even though it's for evil things. And you kind of saw that in the episode Return of the Shredder as well, how he trained a couple students in like one hour yeah. to be great, great fighters. You know, it's crazy. But the thing that kills me about the frogs is the names that they gave it. <laughs> Genghis Frog, like really? Genghis Frog, until <laughs> yeah. which one of them is voiced by Jim Cummings? God bless yes. his very young yes. Jim Cummings. But mm-hmm. I was at um Target today, and they're doing. You know how everybody is like a collector's figure line now. They mm-hmm. have Bebop and Rocksteady, and then they have the four frogs out right now. You buy them in mm-hmm. sets of two, and I went. Oh. I was so excited. I didn't buy them. They're very expensive, so I didn't. Buy and the them. different weapons but, they had too. <laughs> Oh, and they get like a morning star, an axe, and a bull whip. Meanwhile, the yeah. boys are like, my bow so, staff, here we yeah. go. So game of, you know, right. Oh. <laughs> but I also love that they're like deeply Southern. And they, yes. I, I really love them so much. The punk frogs are so much yeah. fun. Yes. I really appreciate And I also am glad that like. You know what's interesting about Shredder is ultimately he's a master manipulator. He's a gaslighter. Yes, he he's mm-hmm. a psychological wonderland. And in that, like, mm-hmm. he can convince anybody to do anything. Yeah, that's true. And so it is something really interesting about his character that he's willing to 
manipulate and move, but he can do all of it himself. And it's just kind of wild in that way. Yeah, uh, so just, sure. I love that like Jewish family that's sitting in the, sitting in the swamp. And she's like, I wanted to come to Florida. This is not what I, I didn't want to come to this part of Florida. I don't want it to be like, just say it. She just wanted to go to Disney world. Epcot had just opened. She wanted to go. She just wanted beaches. to go to Disney or the beaches. She just wanted to go. She wanted to go to Boca, but not the swamp. <laughs> she, she wanted to be in West Palm, not in Pensacola. Like, <laughs> but it's a season That's two cool. is so much fun in that way, especially the second half of the season. And they really do up the stakes for them in a way that I just really appreciated and really, really enjoyed. Was yeah. there anything that you just went, this doesn't work for me? Um, for season two, not so much as in season one. Yeah. You know, uh, I thought season one, there was a little problematic things, you know, like with the, the way they used Asian culture. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to say that season yeah. two, they did a really nice job of looking back. Now I don't find anything problematic really other than like, yeah. you know, we have this Western fascination of things Eastern yeah. and utilizing them in the way that we want to. But like, again, other than like the hot blonde bimbo or like yeah. archetypes that we were using, there's nothing that I went, Oh, that's really questionable. Now, honestly, like even in, the language they use. Cause like, I love that yeah. they're these like California surfer guys, but they're in New York, which is so funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I didn't see anything really problematic in the show at all. No, I think after season one, yeah, they kind of got away from that. Mm -hmm. And really, I think season two really set the tone for what is really to come with season three and four and, and, and with everything. And, um, no, uh, other th things I didn't like. No, I, I can't really say not, not much. You know, other than crying, not letting, you know, not helping Shredder at all <laughs> until the end, and <laughs> and all that. Uh, they do introduce uh, Krang's army too, the the rock mm -hmm. the rock army mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that, which are super fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and but they they do a big part in later nope. episodes. No, nope. that's that's a yeah general track. So yeah. I will say my only issue with season two is there's a lot of inconsistency of Shredder and Krang's relationship. And then what Krang has knowledge of and what Krang doesn't have knowledge of, they give Krang a lot of times the same knowledge the audience has and not that like, mm -hmm. not someone who's getting checked in with once an episode, um, yeah. especially the one where they're like, he, the one where he's like, you got me out of the shower. And I was like, he just called you. How did you have time to get out of the shower? Also, why are you showering in a mech suit? What's wrong with you? I get that yeah. this is here for the joke. But I, or like he understands everything or like knows about that spell and the weird, the weird episode where they're just like, yes, old school black magic. Let's access that. Everybody knows about it. And it's just a conceit and oh, we're accepting it, it as worse. real. Oh, and it then the, worse. and then the, uh, the, uh, the only thing that I know what to call it, but the literal beholder from D and D that comes out of the ceiling. It looks like the beholder, like it looks like somebody yeah, made the beholder out of a chicken nugget. Like, <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. But I also kind of appreciated that everybody was like, yeah, magic exists. Why are you even asking? Duh. Come on. Yeah. Sentient talking turtles that do ninjutsu. What's wrong with you? 
get with us. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're getting here. I'm with you. I'm with you now. Um, so even those things, like in season two, I think they really do this beautiful thing where they invite you in with the suspension of disbelief. And they were like, just suspend everything and you'll just be so much happier. And you're like, exactly. yeah, obviously I'm just suspending disbelief. This is where we are. This is what it is. It's totally fine. And it's great that way. Like, I love that. Like, I think it works really nicely. Yeah, for sure. And then it, it all sets up to the final episode where they finally get the Technodrome back yes, on Earth. Yes, yes, yes. And have to deal with that. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, and they went to Niagara Falls, too. And, and that's the mm -hmm. thing. When you notice, when you continue on watching it, they always have, like, big, um, how would I say, spots, like, noticeable spots where they have these final battles. It's it's uh, it's awesome. But this time they did it in Niagara Falls. And, mm -hmm. yeah, it just shows, you know, why the tech bringing the technodrome on earth is it's really crazy it's a really bad idea yeah uh, because it could really do damage and you know and that's always like the biggest things for a turtles have to face yep and then it sets up that episode sets up for what's really season three of sending the technodrome all the way down to the earth's core mm -hmm. <laughs> which i don't know how it didn't get destroyed but <laughs> but i mean yeah. I mean, science fiction is weird. <laughs> exactly. Here's the other thing. The turtles' weapons really wreck a lot of these machines, uh, like, easily. How? <laughs> like, How? really, nunchucks could break a, break some of these robots? Really? Like, yeah. Or it's even, like, when the sword gets put through the, like, uh, old-school steam heater in the wall, and I was like... That sword would have been melted. That steam. Yeah. I was like, I've lived in so many New York City apartments with those steam heaters. No, those things are indestructible. Those things yeah. are indestructible. So, like, I was like, yeah, it's just some of those suspension of disbelief things in this that are. I'm, but you know, that's kids' cartoons. Um, I yeah. do see that if I were a money person at a network watching season two and like seeing the reactions from everybody, I'd go great. Yeah, let's give them more of a show. Let's keep going. This is so stupid. Mm -hmm. My kids love it. I don't get it, but let's keep going. This is yeah. great. They really are doing a lot. The world building they're doing, I think, is really fun. It's really successful. Mm -hmm. And I want more of it. Um, yeah. So my yeah. question for you, Hans, if you had a run-in with the mutagen, what animal would you hope to become? Oh, or what, what would you hope to, to have mutate with? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And one animal I always associate with myself is a bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think a bear is something, you know, probably like a big grizzly bear with big claws. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't I hope mm -hmm. I don't have to hibernate because that'll be probably a weakness, but probably. Yeah. It's but true. A bear or a gorilla. I always feel like mm -hmm. those animals are very strong. Mm -hmm. and, and I always situate myself with strength. That's yeah. why I love the, that's why I love the Hulk so much as well and, and Marvel. And so, yeah, if, if, yeah, if I do have to be with an animal, yeah, I will look at those strong animals like a bear or a mm -hmm. gorilla. Well, the rhino's already taken, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things of that nature. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about it today. I was like, I'd either want like a bull or like a very like live cat. Cause a lot of the, the mutants are really big and bulky and we don't mm -hmm. get any that are kind of like trim uh which i think is yeah. really interesting about like uh catra and things in eveline and the original like he-man shows um i think it'd be really fun or even like a reptilian like snake i think it'd be really fun um 
A snake would be but interesting. <laughs> a snake would be interesting because it's also like, what? How human are you? What? What? What is this? Um, but yeah, I would probably go with like a cat or a bull, just because I think a bull would be fun and sassy, okay. and then the cat would just be very just. <laughs> You know, yeah. April. April should have just stayed a cat. They should have just kept April a cat or whatever. It's yeah, like, it's well, <laughs> April. April always gets herself into trouble where things happen. So, and half the time I go, get yourself out of it, girl. You you deserve <laughs> this because you went snooping when the boys told you not to, or you went snooping mm-hmm. when you knew you should have stayed stayed off on your own, not gone off on your yeah. own. But here we are, April O'Neil, being the stereotypical <laughs> journalist, especially in the early. Uh, especially in the early 90s well hans as we move towards the end for just this first episode we're probably gonna have two more of these i dare say at least what are just some what are some thoughts of yours for somebody who maybe missed turtles and their um kind of upbringing or they just missed it generationally what what would you say to get them to to really visit this no i would tell them the 80s were a fun time to watch cartoons because that's what they were. They were fun. It wasn't serious mm-hmm. because I think they got serious in the 90s when Batman the Animated Series came out and all that. I'm just saying, if you want to laugh, have mm-hmm. fun, and, and really enjoy things and uh, and not be mad with the source materials like how it is now, <laughs> just, mm-hmm. that's what the Ninja Turtles was all about. It was just innocent fun. And that's what I would tell them, you know, yeah, later cartoons, they get more serious and whatnot with a lot of themes. But if you just want to have fun and just watch, this is it. Mm. And I, I, with other 80s cartoons, it's the same way. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I did have a really nice, you know, I think it was, I was a little more skeptical watching through them because I didn't, I don't have a huge memory of visiting these the first time. So I went, mm. But, you know, it's the the 80s was such a shit show politically, socially, worldview wise that like the media was such a departure for people. And I think that's really important to remember. And I think it's a really also reason to revisit this is because it was that departure and also understanding kind of the obsession with this era. It 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 helped animation and like media evolve and the way that we mm-hmm. told stories during this time. And I think it's really interesting to revisit these for those reasons. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I could say the same thing with the Ghostbusters cartoon as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just pure fun. You know? and Absolutely. That, was based, that was based off a movie. Yeah. You know, I, I think the turtles was the opposite. It was a cartoon first, yes. well, comics first cartoon and then movie. Yep. Uh, uh, with that. And so that obviously it's going to be completely different, but yeah, you know, transformers, GI Joe, mm-hmm. um, Man, the Masters of the Universe you already mentioned. Heck, there was even a cartoon, I forgot the name of it, where they had Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and Bo Jackson as heroes. Yep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember. It is. They they threw everything at the wall, and just about everything stuck, but not everything stuck for very long. Yes. Uh, so this is also just an interesting time to, like, understand why we have the shows that we shows that we have now are because we have creators that came up during these times that were informed by these shows that then made the next generation of shows. And I think, you know, you can't have the next thing without what we had before. And I think as far as things go, this one is again, like we said, not very problematic. It is fun to Mm -hmm. rewatch. It is, it is something you can put on in the background and literally just have and not commit too many brain cells to, which I think is Mm -hmm. what a lot of people need right now. Exactly. It's innocent fun. I like to call it that way. Innocent fun. 
Well, Hans, thank you for coming and doing part one of Ninja Turtles wow. with me. Thanks for it's, having me, it's bro. It's always great being on a show with you. So if anyone has been living under a rock and doesn't know who you are, tell tell us who you are, <laughs> where they can find you, and your shows that are also here on the Certain Point of View Network. Well, as we mentioned in the beginning, I am the real movie critic. And yes, I do have a podcast show, part of the Certain POV Network, with my co-host, the one and only Stephen Angulo, who's very unique in his own ways. Um, but yes, we have a podcast show called The Real Movie Critic versus The Senate Guy, um, where we talk about the we're up to date on reviewing the movies that just come out. That is our thing, you know. So we're kind of like journalists in a way <laughs> in, in that regard. And yeah, you know, in our show, we have a lot of fun talking about the latest news, the latest trailers, the latest films. We also have a little fun with some of the things that we do, um, like giving our top fives with people like to hate us on that. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, our, and our casting calls as well but we also do other things too um, my favorite things that we do is fight night where I get two different movie characters to duke it out and have the fans vote to see who wins and then we create a story after we get the votes I think that's been our biggest thing so far which is a lot of fun and yeah and, and that's the thing with our show if you listen to our show we just have fun we have a lot of bad impressions <laughs> in this so many so <laughs> many but it's I blame, charming i blame the city guy i blame the city I blame guy, steven yeah. as well I blame, <laughs> that's why when you said steven is interesting in his own way i no one could see me but i was dying of laughter over here because <laughs> steven always has a gimmick and like i always roll my eyes but then i just yes and him because like it's just fun it's silly exactly. and like let him live his fantasy i love it Exactly, and that and that's what it is. And I just joined them. <laughs> you know, I, I finally relented. I just joined them, and, and things. Even though I'm not that good, but yeah, no, uh, we we do have fun in a lot of episodes. Like lately, we brought out our our own award show, mm -hmm. uh, the the Real Cine Awards, which I know I think Maddie voted on some of those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, which that was a lot of fun. Um, and definitely, we'll do that every year. That's for sure, because it's, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, the only thing we miss you as a cameo, man. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, there was next there time. was some there were some things and some happenings that made that not be able to happen. Unfortunately, yeah, next, time. next time for sure. And yeah, we're part of the certain POV network, as I said before. But also, you can catch me on my blog at realmoviecritic.com, where it's just a quick blog where you can read the reviews. It's not there's no spoilers, so you can read it very safely. Um, so you can definitely check me out on that. And yeah, you can catch me on my social medias, uh, Instagram and Twitter at RealCritic34. Uh, I am on Facebook too. Call me a boomer. I don't care. But <laughs> yeah, you can find me there as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it with me. I, I just love movies. And we, oh, one more thing. We also do sparring screens as well. That's something we just started. Mm -hmm. Where we talk about TV shows uh, where it's canon uh, to, to the movies we watch. Uh, we started off with WandaVision. Uh, lately, Steven did the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Great episode. And I know soon we're going to do Loki for sure. Um, and also Star Wars The Bad Batch. And possibly Monsters at Work. Which, Maddie, I think you should join us for that. <laughs> yes, of course. I'll do anything for the Monsters Inc. franchise. For sure. So, yeah, definitely check us out, man. We have a lot of fun. And the guests who come in, they have a lot of fun as well. And you can hang out with all of us over on a certain POV.com as well as our discord. We are very active on our 
our other amazing uh, hosts just totally mm -hmm. edited and redid the whole Discord. It's so yeah. easy to traverse. It's so much fun, uh, and you never know what we're kind of kind of stumble into. And when it's especially if you've got an afternoon when it's me, JD, and Alex on there at one time, uh, some terrible musical theater references will be made. Uh, uh, so Hans, thanks again for joining me on the show today. Oh man, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you for sure. Hello, my name is Hans Martin Jr., your real movie critic. If you enjoy discussing upcoming movie news, looking at new trailers, and reviewing the year's hottest movies, then tune in to- Hey, 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 Hans, Hans! What? Are you doing the promo without me? Uh, yeah, I am. How come? Because everyone knows I'm the better host of this podcast. Oh, it's like that, huh? You think you can review movies better than me? Uh, I don't think I can. I know. Oh, we'll see about that. This is... The Real Movie Critic. Versus... The Cine Guy. Mondays only at CertainPOV.com. Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. You're going down, critic. Bring it on, guy. Thanks again for joining us for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. It's always fun when Hans or Steven come over and visit us. It's always a lively day. Now, don't forget to find us on Patreon, where only $2 a month helps us continue what we do and tell us that you love our programming. And coming next month is a new trivia show called Pod vs. The World. We're expanding a little bit. I wanted to do a trivia game show for a while, so this one's going to be fun, where three podcasters go up against three fans as they have a trivia debate about some of their favorite subjects, whether it's pop culture, musical theater, Disney, or Pokemon. So that'll be coming out once a month. Hopefully we'll be able to launch in July. If not, we will be launching in August. So stay tuned. Now join us again next time for another deep dive in the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.